Hi, and welcome along to some more Country Music Musings. Today, I want to talk about the icon of country music. Sorry, sorry, what was that? Garth Brooks. Yeah, you can make an argument for Garth Brooks, definitely. The biggest selling solo artist in any genre, so he's there on the list. But no, not, not Garth Brooks. Who is that? Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton's on the list. She is a icon of country music, but again, not who we're talking about today. Today, I want to talk about Hank Williams. No, not, not Hank Williams. Again, the grandfather of modern country. All these guys, they're all on the list. They're all icons of country music. But just, sorry, hold on. Quiet. Hold on. Sorry. Stop. Johnny Cash. Today, I'm talking about Johnny Cash. Country boy, ain't got no shoes. Country boy, ain't got no blues. Now, to call Johnny the icon of country music, it's a bold statement, but I think it's one that stands up. Everyone we've mentioned so far, Garth Brooks, Dolly Parton, Hank Williams, you can add Willie Nelson to the list, Chris Christopherson, George Strait, Reba McIntyre, there is loads of people out there who would be considered country music icons. But Johnny Cash is the icon, he is the man, he is the first person anyone who's not a country fan thinks about when they think country music, and that's not a bad thing. Growing up, Johnny Cash would have been one of the few country artists I was aware of because my great aunt was a fan, she had a couple of records, my uncle was a fan, he had a couple of records, so I knew Johnny Cash's music. But that's not to say I love Johnny Cash's music. I never listened to it because uh, the old folks like it. He's one of them, you know, it's old music. No interest in it whatsoever. But even though at that stage he was Johnny Cash, wasn't resonating with me. I was wrong, of course. That, that was a silly thing to be thinking. And once I discovered his music, I realized how wrong I was. And I started listening to Ring of Fire and A Boy Named Sue. And I Walked the Line. And oh, so many great songs. And that was the whole thing. Already, by that stage, he was an icon. Obviously, he'd come along first in the 50s with Elvis on the Sun Records. And the legend was born, as they say. He had all those great songs on the Sun label, and he was a star. Now, obviously Elvis went on to begin, become the king of rock and roll, but Johnny carved out his own career, and it was good and solid and steady. And yet, despite that, by the 60s, he was still considered old hash, you know? Elvis had gone on and become what he had, and Johnny was more or less left behind, and people thought he'd had his day. And back then, even back then, he proved them wrong. He came along with those live albums um, at Folsom Prison, San Quentin, and again on the top of his game. And it cemented his, his stature in music, in country music. And the man continued on. But as these things happen, artists eventually stop having their voice listened to. Sometimes it's because they've nothing left to say. Sometimes it's because the legend outweighs the person. Like, if you think of 
most of the stars that you probably grew up listening to, most of them probably had one or two, maybe three good albums. And they're the albums that people think of, and they're the songs that people think of when they think about that person. It doesn't really matter who it is. Now, they're the good. So the good have this little period where they make their breakthrough, people notice them, they build their reputation, and that's it, they're set. That's who they are as far as the listening public is concerned. A couple of the greats will do that maybe twice. So they'll have the initial period of great success. Elvis again, great example of it. They'll have that initial period of great success. And that's what people stamp on them. But then they come along and they can change it again. And they update and they change and they have a new period of success. Maybe with the old fans again, brought on with new fans, or maybe the old fans get left behind and new fans come on board. But the the greats can do that. They they can tap into a new vein of inspiration, shall we say. And they have a second period of success. Maybe the really great ones might even tack on a third. But generally, most people will have one period of huge success. And that's it. They're done. And even if you think of Bruce Springsteen, if you think of, let's go with someone from the 80s, Bon Jovi. Even though Springsteen's still around, Bon Jovi's still around, they're still touring, they're still popular, they're still considered legendary. Think about it. The big songs that you know of them are probably from one. Bon Jovi are the good ones. Their good music is the 80s. Done. Springsteen is one of the great ones. He had popularity in the 70s. He built upon that in the 80s. So he had his two periods of success. But like, what was the last thing he did? He's still releasing stuff. He's still recording stuff. But it's hardly making impact anymore. And that's so hard to do. When you come along first, if you're a good artist and you have something to say and you're doing something fresh, you have impact. And once you've had that impact, it's very, very hard to do it again. People move on, time moves on, you've said what you have to say, and the world goes with you. And unless you find somehow something new to say, you're not going to have that impact again. You're not going to have that change. You're not going to hit those heights again. And that's, it's natural when you think about it because one of the things we love about good music is its freshness. You know, radio might like to think and record producers and record companies might like to think that we love to hear the same thing over and over again. They find something that works and they just get everyone doing that. But that's not what we want. We actually do want something fresh. Because if nothing fresh comes along, everything gets stale and music would have died out long ago. The trick is finding something fresh that still resonates because we still need to be familiar with it. For it to be popular, for a lot of people to get into it, there has to be something there that we can relate to. Now, it might be that the music itself is familiar to us, they might necessarily go too far out of what we like, but they still bring something new to it, their own voice. But once we've heard that voice, then all of a sudden, that's old hat, that we've heard before. So they can't really build on that, because once you've kind of said what you have to say, 
How do you find something new to say? So artists get caught in this loop where people come along, they've still got a huge fan base, but the fan base want to hear the hits. They want to hear the stuff that made them famous. They're not so interested in the new stuff. Ah, you know, we don't care about that. That's not as good as your old stuff. Give us the old stuff. Give us the hits. So they've got these big careers. They've got this great success. But they're done. You know, and I'm sure that's frustrating for some people. Um, sometimes, for some artists, they're probably better off if they don't have huge success and they don't have this big footprint in society where everyone knows who they are and everyone's familiar with their music. So they have a small, nice, decent fan base. Those people tend to be able to kind of progress. You probably still find, though, that people who were fans back when they first came on the scene aren't fans anymore and they've got a new fan base because people do change and when you change you're going to appeal to different people and that's again that's good that's kind of the way it should be the trick and that really hard thing to do is to build up a big career to be that popular and then to change and be able to bring the fan base along with you and yet then bring on new fans that's a trick that very few people I'm using the word trick it's not a trick that's something that has to be in you that has to be that you change in a way that is changing with the whole world that you become a mirror almost to how things are going on and Johnny Cash managed to do that. So again, like I said, he had his original success in the 50s on those early rock and roll kind of stuff. Everyone else went rock and roll, he stayed country. And people said, yeah, no one wants to hear that, it's just Johnny Cash, yeah, he, he's been there, done that. He came back, he kept saying things, he went to the prisons, and that was his new statement, that these are people as well, they deserve the entertainment. And the energy that came from those records gave him Johnny Cash's second coming but by the 80s the icon was there Johnny Cash was Johnny Cash it was set in stone his record sales were in the toilet no one was buying them anymore because no one was listening to him anymore he had hit that point in those careers where the big guys hit where he had so much expectation on his shoulders, he couldn't possibly live up to it. You think about it. You think about your favourite artist, the people you love. And if they bring out an album that is just completely different to what you're expecting, you kind of go, what? What's that? I don't want to hear that. That's that's not what I want. That's not Johnny Cash. That's not Huey Lewis. That's not Bon Jovi. That's not Bruce Springsteen. Of course it is them. That's where they are now. But they're not where they were when you became a fan. So, bam, it's not going to appeal to you. They disappoint you. They let you down. You stop buying your records. People who might necessarily know the artist, but they know of the artist. And they have this preconception of what that artist should be. They hear it, and it's like, it doesn't fill what their expectations are of that person is. So again, they don't listen to it. So they fall into this rut where people aren't listening to them anymore. And when you've built up the reputation that Johnny Cash had, how do you overcome that? It's almost impossible. He was this giant of country music that everyone praised to the hilt that people couldn't possibly turn down. He was just granite. 
So how does he live up to that? How could he possibly live up to that? It's almost impossible to live up to that. And he was working with producers who didn't fully appreciate who he could be and what he could do at the same time. Johnny Cash was always that voice. That's what brought people in because his voice was just real. It wasn't the most melodic voice in the world. It's it's deep, it's full of resonance and it's monotonous. But that's what worked for him. And yet all these producers were filling it up with huge harmonies and big backing bands, almost trying to hide the voice and make that melody come into the songs. And it just wasn't working and Johnny knew it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So by the, the 90s, he was without a record label, he was without inspiration, and he was pretty much done. I don't think anyone was expecting anything different from him. And then Rick Rubin came along. Rick Rubin, who was a rock, a hip-hop, a heavy metal producer, he wasn't country, but Rick Rubin was a Johnny Cash fan. And Rick Rubin knew that if he got this right, Cash had more to say. And for years, Johnny had wanted to do one style of album, one only, where it was just him and the guitar, nothing else. No band, no backing vocals, just purely Johnny and a guitar. And no one wanted to do it with him, because again, monotonous, monosyllabic voice, it was just people heard that idea and said, no, that's not going to work, that's just going to be horrible. You're going to ruin your reputation. But it's because Johnny was kind of thinking, what reputation? I'm, I'm already made. Whatever I do now is not making a difference. I am Johnny Cash. No one's changing that. No matter what I do now, people are either not going to listen to it or it's going to make a difference. So I'm either going to build on it or it's going to make no difference whatsoever. And Rick Rubin agreed with him. So they made that first album, American Recordings. And even from the cover of the album, the statement is right there. The cover is so bare and basic. It's just in big, bold letters, cash across the top. Just stating this, this is Johnny Cash. Nothing else. No accompaniment. And Johnny's standing there in this long black coat. It looks like he's standing on the mountaintop, a dog either side of him. He looks like the Grim Reaper, ready to take you. It's just so basic. And then the music to go with it is basic as well. And powerful. So, so powerful. And all of a sudden, here we had The Man in Black. And this album was The Man in Black. Unbelievably, he lived up to the reputation. So he had this huge history behind him that people were putting on his shoulders and he just shrugged it off and with just his voice and a guitar he owned it he just took that reputation he sat on top of it and he said I'm not done listen to me and you couldn't help but listen now the producers who wouldn't do the album had a point in a way I'll have to say this because as an entire album I think it's like a 13 song album it's tough going. Just that voice with just the guitar accompanying it. It I I actually don't think I've managed to listen to the entire album straight through. 
Now, don't take that as a knock on the album or me saying ah, it's, a, it's a bad album, but it's not. It really, really isn't. I can't emphasize that enough. Each individual song on that album is amazing. If you take any song on that album and you put it in any other Johnny Cash song, you would sit up and listen to that song and go, wow, that's just brilliant. But the problem is just 13 of them one after, it's, it's exhausting. You're just there emotionally drained after three or four songs and you have to go, okay, enough, enough. Because when you listen to the next song, you're not going to appreciate it. Your, your ears have gotten dull to it almost. So you almost need to take a break. But each individual song is brilliant. And there you go. He had made the statement. We were done. Johnny Cash was back. He could retire with happiness, knowing he had his voice heard again. But you know what? He wasn't done. That had reawoken the artist in him. And he went back into studio with Rick Rubin and on the American Recordings label again. And this time, they expanded the sound. Now, that was dangerous because obviously he'd come out of a period where the records had gotten overproduced <clears throat> and had lost the voice. So they had just stripped everything back, gotten rid of all the accompaniment and got the voice back. So there was always that risk that they were going to lose that again. But they didn't. They did one of the smartest things any producer has ever done. And that was, they brought in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yes, that's right. A big rock band in their own right, with their own reputation. That was the studio band on Johnny Cash's second American recordings, Unchained. And together, along with Marty Stewart, he was in there too, just to keep things nice and country. They created this almost perfect country rock record where the voice is still first and foremost but now with that band behind them it just expanded and exploded and we have this incredible album that had had the power of that first American recording album but now it was just a great album it wasn't just great songs the album itself is just brilliant the power the energy that came out of that studio was just incredible. And Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers said it themselves that they played better than they had done in years because for them, there was no expectations. What you've got to understand here, this wasn't billed as Johnny Cash with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nobody knew the Tom Petty part. This was a Johnny Cash album. Rick Rubin just brought in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as the band because they were fans. They were chomping at the bit for uh, for the ability to, for the opportunity to work with Johnny Cash and the two just bounced off each other Johnny doing a great version you hear it there playing behind me of uh, Tom Petty's own southern accents which just an incredible incredible version of it and this whole collaboration just brought out pure perfection in both so there was no pressure there Johnny had already had his comeback album Tom Petty were just the backing band. There was no expectations there whatsoever. And they just went for it. And it worked brilliantly. And it laid this foundation for more albums to come. Because Johnny now was open 
to all the new stuff that came along. Like I said, so on that album, he covered Rusty Cage, he covered Southern Accents. Here he is going again. And I never picked Cotton, one of the older songs. So he was open now to looking outside of country music and, and filling up his song repertoire with, with basically Anthony Rick Rubin brought along to him and that resonated with him. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And then between Unchained and the next American Recordings album, unfortunately Johnny got diagnosed with a life-ending illness and he was only given months to live. Now, Johnny Cash being Johnny Cash, he lived more than once. He, he, he forged on. And I don't know. The romantic in me, I suppose, believes it's because he still had something to say. Thanks to Rick Rubin, he'd been brought back into the studio and he had life back in him. So even though he'd been given a death sentence, the music kept him going. He still had things to say. And God, did he keep saying it. So there was uh, two, there was four more albums. There's more out there seemingly. Seemingly there's more in the American recording vaults that haven't been released yet. But there's been four albums released on top of those original two. That are just, again, he never lost steam. It's the scary part of it. Now there was a break between Unchained and Solitary Man, the third album. As Johnny dealt with his health problems and got them on, well, under control probably isn't right, but got them to the point where he could get back into the studio. And you could hear it on those, you, you can see a difference on those first two albums and the next four of the voice. The voice had cracked, but it hadn't weakened. This is the beauty of it. The, it was still strong. It was still powerful. If anything, you could hear more pathos in it. You could hear more emotion in it when it broke. So. The man was basically staring death in the face and he just said, hang on, I'm not done yet. Listen to me for a little bit. And he sang. And he owned every single song that he took on. Like I said, there's four albums worth where he's on his last legs. That's, that's, that's where he was. Once he was here recording one. Or do you feel the same? So you can hear there, the voice is cracked, but geez, the power is still there, you know, the emotion's still there. Who cannot listen to that? You said, one love, one life, when it's one need in the night. And he kept that up, again, through all those albums, all the songs he recovered, a handful of new, new songs in there. Each and every one is definitive. It doesn't matter who he covered or what he did. Once you heard his version of it, even if you might necessarily have liked it, because no one's going to like everything, but even if you didn't necessarily like it, you're going to go back to the original version or the version that you like of that song with fresh ears, because you will have heard something in his version that was just different, that was just honest, that was just real, that was just country. And when you can say that, when you can show that something will always be taken away from it, that's an artist for you. And here he was. American Recordings, that first one with just him and the guitar, that was his 81st album. Think about it. 
Before that, he had recorded 80 albums. He shouldn't have had anything left to give. And on his 81st album, he defined who he was. He blew everything else out of the water. And that was only the start of it. He went and recorded six albums for the American Recordings label. That's been released so far. And there was a big box set as well, which I, I haven't even had a chance to get to myself. So, 81 through to 86 were some of the best albums of his career, if not the best albums of his career. The man was on his deathbed. He was heading to the pearly gates. And he couldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. He kept going. That's just incredible, and if that does not make him the icon, how, how, how can anyone else live up to that? And the beauty of it was, the best was still to come. So he had taken on board all these new artists, covered all these songs, done absolutely incredible versions of them all, but he still had an ace up his sleeve. There was still a big voice left in there. And you have to remember where the man was in his life at this stage. So again, he was staring death in his face. He had stood up. He was looking at it. I'm sure he was fighting against it. He was probably going through all those stages of grief, denial and everything. But eventually you have to get to that stage where you've, you've cried about it. You've fought against it. You've denied it. And there's only one stage left. And that stage is acceptance. And again, when Johnny Cash accepted it, he didn't accept it quietly. He didn't take to the bed or sit down and let death take him. He strode towards it and he took it head on. And thank God he did, because by doing that, the world got to hear these notes. myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the Wow that song still just hits me hard you can hear you can hear death in that song and when you see the video to it, the statement it makes is just scary. It was recorded, no, I'm not 100% sure when it was recorded, but it was released only months before June and then Johnny passed. It was the last big thing he did and talk about going out on top, it was just incredible. The whole world paid attention again. The whole world listened to Johnny Cash again. And he said goodbye. And he said goodbye with a voice we could all understand. I don't think there's anyone that can't relate to that song and his performance of it. It was a song about drug addiction, and it, like it is a song about drug addiction. But when Johnny sings it, it's not. It's a song about mortality. It's about facing it. It's about taking it head on. It's about not letting it own you and that's exactly what he did he he just kept going to the 
to the very end. So how can you not say that he is the icon when he goes out like that? He had nothing to prove. He was Johnny Cash. He was the man in black. The world knew who he was. The world had stamped that identity on him. And for years he had struggled to overcome it. As any great artist does, that no one, no one can get beyond who people think they are. And he embraced it, and he owned it, and he lived up to the reputation. And think about that reputation. How do you live up to that reputation? It was almost impossible to do. And there we go, six albums that just proved no one else was like Johnny Cash. If you've never listened to those American recording albums, what the hell are you doing? You need, you need to look them up. You need to listen to them. <sighs> yeah, that's that's about all I can say on that. There we go. They've been my country music musings for today. I hope they've opened your eyes a little and I hope that you go away now and you listen to the legend that is, was and always will be Johnny Cash I would find a way so thanks for listening um Again, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, you're just looking for Country Music Musings. Uh, The podcast is available on Podomatic and it's available on iTunes and hopefully there is many, many more to come. Thanks for listening.